With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Log Talk Radio. Good evening, all. This is Peggy Amanisi. My show is broadcasting from Verplank, New York. The name of the show is Signs Our Loved Ones Send Us. And uh, tonight my <clears throat> co-host Melissa is on vacation, but I have a very special guest on. That um, His name is Mark Ireland, and he is an author and the son of the late uh, Richard Ireland, a renowned 20th century psychic who counseled celebrities such as Mae West, Glenn Ford, Amanda Blake, and who was acquainted with the Eisenhower family. Mark is also the author of Soul Shift, Finding Where the Dead Go, a moving account of his personal quest for answers about life after death. Subsequent to his passing of his youngest son, Mark's most recent book, Message from the Afterlife, takes a deeper look at the psychic medium phenomenon. He wants to educate others about his field and other forms of afterlife evidence. Mark has participated, sorry, participated <clears throat> in a mediumship research studies 
uh, serving as a test sitter at the University of Arizona and with the University of Virginia. Mark has also conducted independent investigations assisted by Tricia Robertson and Scottish Society for Physical Physical Research and Neuroscience, Dr. Don Watson. I'm sorry, a little frog in my throat tonight. In 2011, Mark published Your Psychic Potential, a guide to psychic development authored by his father in the 1970s, but never released during his lifetime. In 2012, Mark co-founded Helping Parents Heal, a national organization assisting bereaved parents. Mark holds a bachelor's degree from Arizona State University, and he lives in Scottsdale, Arizona, with his wife, Susie. Well, I'm going to bring Mark on the air now. I'm very excited because um, as a teenager growing up in the 50s and 60s, well, actually 60s, I was a teenager, I used to watch the Steve Allen show, and Mark's dad was on it, and I was intrigued by him, never knowing years later I would be interviewing his son. So let's bring Mark on the air now. Okay, hold on. Hi, Hello, Mark. Peggy. I'm here. Hi, how, how are, are you? Welcome doing? to the show. Good. I'm having a little frog me. in the throat tonight. Allergies going on here. <clears throat> but uh, tonight, my uh, co-host, like I think you heard, was on vacation. And um, I read your book. I didn't get to the second one. I can't wait to read it. I couldn't put the first one down. Um, and I, I loved it. It was one of the best I've ever read. I have to say Thanks it was so absolutely much. amazing, Mark. So, Mark, um, you know what? I'm going to let you, in your words, tell us a little bit about who Mark Ireland is and what motivated you to investigate and write about mediumship and afterlife evidence. Well, um, I grew up with a father who was a very interesting individual, as you noted, um, and he had these abilities where you really couldn't get away with anything in the house. He kind of right. knew what was going on all the time. So, you mm-hmm. know, I'll give you a couple examples. Early in his marriage to my mom, uh, before we were born, uh, my sister and I, so forth but uh, he she was trying to become a vegetarian and she'd been good for a couple of months and this one day she just had a craving went out and got a hamburger came home mm-hmm. and later that evening my dad comes in the door and the first thing he says to her is uh, so Shirley did you enjoy your hamburger today and so <laughs> a little frustrating for her um, but, yes, but that's I kind can, of representative of, that's representative of the kind of household we lived in um, yeah, I had a similar one. My mother must have had abilities. She did the same thing. My sister let me know a couple of years ago without my mother ever really saying she had the abilities. She always knew where we were, and she never left the house. She was a stay-at-home mom. So I can relate to the frustration with that one. <laughs> yeah, well, those abilities are in a lot of families. People just don't talk about them that much. But um, mm-hmm. So I grew up with a father like that, and then his status grew, and he became more well-known and traveled more and was – on different TV shows and radio shows and demonstrating across the world. Um, However, I was not the same personality as my father, and so I grew Mm -hmm. up and uh, didn't really see how I could follow in his footsteps. I never really felt like I was psychic, at least not like him, although I had little flashes of things from time to time. But I was just Mm -hmm. kind of a – I guess my personality is more like this level-headed, grounded-type person – and I right. went to college, got a degree, got married, had a couple kids, went into business and did well there. And just kind of, I guess, fell into the average mundane, not mundane, right. but the average life that most people in America strive for, you know, which had What was your type of business, Mark? What, what were well, you into? I mean, before all initially, this, the writing, what have you? 
No, before, you know, the, the writing and becoming an author is all a fairly new phenomenon since 2008, but before that, mm-hmm. it's been, um, it's mainly printing industry and advertising and marketing, uh, but oh, maybe, wow. mainly sales management within those fields, managing mm-hmm. sales teams. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, you know, so I guess the dichotomy there is that my dad's this kind of very exuberant, um, very gifted medium and psychic, and he's demonstrating this. And I grew up with it, and I appreciated it, and I loved it. Um, and it actually was very comforting to me many times, mm-hmm. the things that I saw. But I didn't really strive for that in my own life. Um, but my youngest son, Brandon, passed in 2004, and that mm-hmm. really was the catalyst that pulled me back. By then, my dad had been gone, you know, 12 years. And right. um, it was the first thing that came to mind was everything I'd seen growing up and everything I knew about the evidence that we do carry on that gave me comfort. Whereas, right. you know, the average person may lose a child and, and they're just in, you know, total despair. Even though they may have certain religious beliefs, I had more of a mm-hmm. knowledge base from having seen the evidence personally, you know. And, right. Uh, but that was like the first step really in the process and initially it was about me being healed and my family being healed through the connections that came about that are documented in soul shift but then Mm -hmm. after that it became more than that it became sharing this with other people because i I recognized that i had a role to play in this and it was twofold part of it was to help other grieving parents but the other part Mm -hmm. was to restore my dad's legacy and let people know about him that are around today that never have heard of him and to share his message, you know, which is about basically, you know, it's about, you know, sharing the truth that we're not just a body and a brain. We are a soul and we go on Mm -hmm. and that the time that we spend here is important. Uh, We have a path and Mm -hmm. a purpose. Right. You still there, Mark? Yep, I, I was just done. Okay, I'm sorry. I loved you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, actually, you know, I, I had a host of questions to ask you, but after reading your book, I kind of like uh, drew up another list of some things. And to be honest, really, your father was really – I was a teenager. I, I, I've had abilities since I was a child. Okay, I don't know if you got to read my book or know really that much about me, but I was always afraid of it. And uh, I've more developed over the past few years, uh, started with signs with my own children, you know, losing two of them coming to me and what have you. And But I can remember back, and it, it's kind of ironic that you and I did meet because your father, like, just really – he was like my, I'm not going to should I say mentor. I was just intrigued by him back, and I remember watching him on Steve Allen, Allen and being glued to the TV. And, you know, my friends thought I was a little nuts doing stuff like this because back, what was it, 1969 when he was on Steve's show? Um, you know, people didn't talk that much about it. 69, 70 or 71. I'm not sure the year. Yeah. It's 69 to 71, somewhere in that time frame. I can't. I haven't been able right, to get it right. down. Right, right. So you know, I was about 16, 17, and I was just glued to it, you know, and it's here it is all these years later, you know, and I don't believe coincidence because most of people, like your book and what I tell people, there is no coincidence. Everything is meant to happen when it's supposed to happen. And I just find it so ironic over all these years. Uh, all these years later, how I loved this guy who happens to be your dad. So I'm I'm just blessed to have you on the show tonight and, and being his son and, and sharing your story. And, of course, sharing we have a common bond or, or um, 
losing children. You know, um, my children were 22 and 28 when they passed. And, um, you know, we're both authors now and, and both trying to help other grieving parents, you know. And I just, I, I just want to thank you for being on the show. For, and, and this is like, this is the ultimate of, of maybe the 25 shows I've done. This is the best. You know, this is amazing to me. Well, and I don't believe that's yet, a coincidence either. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't <laughs> oh heck no! I got millions of questions to ask you. I just want before I have some more on um, my my uh, my interview questions that we have on the sheet. I wanted to let you know there. You know, I did. Um, are you familiar with Dave Kane that wrote the book Forty One Signs of Hope? I've heard of the book. I have not read it. Okay. Well, Dave also lost his son uh, Nicholas, and he was one of the youngest in that fire in um, what was it, New Hampshire or Rhode Island? Back, I think around the same year that your son passed, with the and, rock band. Uh, he, yes, with yes, the, yes, with the yes. With, uh, the band Great White. I don't remember if that's the name, but uh, the, the, the weirdest thing. He's also he's done TV as the father, Dave Kane. He's been a, <clears throat> you know, I was next to interviewing you tonight. I was the most nervous interviewing another. It was like uh, uh, Roseanne Barr interviewing Howard Stern. <laughs> what I'm saying he was in radio 40 years and I'm like oh my gosh what do I say to somebody who's been in radio for 40 years and he was like on my third or fourth show I was scared to death you know I'm honest about it you know but uh, like him with you I found a lot of coincidences I'm not going to use that word what should we use instead of coincidence synchronicities (laughs) synchronicities right right I have MS so sometimes my words don't come out right so you'll have to excuse that that I have no power over that but you usually get my drift okay <laughs> but anyhow, there were a lot of that with with Dave and I. Um, the forty one signs of hope. Me with the number twenty two. It was just really, really weird. While reading your book, I, I just wanted to point some things I, I, out to you that I, I took notes on. Um, we had very similar names in our life. Uh, your grandmother's name was Margaret, right? Yeah, that's my dad's mom. Oh, your dad's mom, and your mother's name was Shirley. Correct. Right. Okay, my actual name is Margaret Shirley, <laughs> which is uncommon to have those two names together, okay? And it was also my daughter's name, Margaret, and my grandmother's name. Um, you also, what else was the other thing that I picked up on here? Oh, your, your Uncle Robert, who was like your dad, uh, also had abilities. That's my brother's name, was my son's middle name. And my son, that past name, was Mark. Mark Robert. Oh. <laughs> okay. I just thought this was a really kind of weird, and I, I'm probably throwing you off kilter here by giving you all this now. Uh, you also had a half-brother, Don, was it? Yeah, or I was have it a brother, Don. Brother? And, well, yeah, my husband's name was Don. My husband and my son's name was Don. And <clears throat> when I really stood out when you said how your brother worked on cars, that's what my, my husband was known for. <laughs> So there was okay. more similar. I just, I just thought it was really kind of wow, you know, a wow moment with the, well, all these, you know, similar names and what have you. And uh, especially with the Margaret Shirley, I'm like, nobody's ever in my life been called Margaret Shirley. When I saw the Margaret and the Shirley, it just really blew me away, you know. So I don't think it's, um, I think there's something from beyond putting us together tonight, you know, just like it did with Dave Kane and I. But, well, um, part of it, too, think about back to when you were a child and you had that interest in my father that was so extreme. It's almost yeah, it beyond was. explanation why you were so interested, other than the fact that maybe you had some of this. But it seems like you were yeah, almost Yeah, you know, my friends, right, my friends were out at block dances, and I'm sitting there watching your father on Steve Allen, and they're like, what the hell's wrong with you? 
know, <laughs> what's wrong with you? And I'm like, whatever, I'm just enjoying this, you know? And right. uh, so anyhow, what was the other thing? The other thing I wanted to bring up about your father, he wasn't just a uh, psychic, medium, intuitive. He did a lot of other things. He was also a minister, right? That's correct. Yes, he was. Uh-huh. That and that's really too. why that he took his, took his demonstrations out into the secular world, too, because he felt like he had a message to share to give people hope and understand the spiritual side of their being. And that mm-hmm. if he went into other venues initially, you know, just like, you know, secular groups and things, but eventually, I mean, even in nightclubs and things like that, but he would reach people mm-hmm. and it would open their minds and then they would follow up and delve more deeply into looking at their own lives and what they were doing and their purpose. And I've had mm-hmm. so many people approach me in the last five years, especially um, and right. it's so odd that it's just the last five years, you know. Now, I know with the Internet yeah. and everything, it's easier to find people, but these people are all sharing these amazing stories of how, you know, in some cases they would say that my dad transformed their life um, and mm-hmm. just touched them in, in multiple ways as, you know, that would be the minister side, but then also some of these validations that people had were just mind-blowing of the things that he mm-hmm. provided to them in terms of his uh, abilities. Right, which I find great because, you know, a, a lot of times when we're into this kind of work, uh, I've kind of come out of the closet, sort of say, um, recently, like you were talking about your dad not just going to a pulpit and preaching to whomever. I would, I love karaoke. I sing, okay? I actually, my first, I call it my Teresa Caputo. I'm sure you're you're familiar with her. I call oh, yeah, it my, she's not. my first. Yeah. Okay. Well, I kind of like her. Not as mouthy, close. Okay. My first coming out, like doing a cold reading, was at a karaoke night that I I hadn't been in almost a year. I went to go see a show, and I ended up reading this girl I didn't know, and then I have always keep a copy of my book, and she saw my maiden name, which is hyphenated with my married name, and it turned out the girl who I never met, read her, never was a believer, at karaoke, turned out she was a teacher with my co-host, my niece, who was also my editor, and when she saw my, my name, she goes, are you related to Melissa? I said, yeah, she's the editor of my book, and my niece, she goes, I'm a teacher with her. I was like, whoa. So that was my sort of, say, coming out at karaoke like your father, you know, could do, like you said, the pulpit, or he could go to, did he ever do, like, Vegas shows and stuff like that? Or yeah, yeah he was you? at the Aladdin Hotel in Vegas back in 1967. Really? Wow. Wow. Yep. That's and unbelievable. that was one of the bigger venues at that time frame. So that was well, kind of the well, first another... time he went there. Really? And, that, and wow. some of the people at the church weren't very happy about it because they felt like, well, that's not a very spiritual environment. But he felt mm-hmm. you, you go where the people are. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, you know, if you, you go back to the Bible, look what, look what Jesus hung with. You know, <laughs> Jesus yeah. hung with, he came to save the sinners. You know what I'm saying? And I yeah. think a lot of people don't get when we do this type of work. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had a cancel people on Facebook that condemn me and I'm open to anybody's opinion everybody's got opinions you know I was bashed and whatever and so just so happened my father worked for the church for 50 years and my brother's a minister so in the Episcopal Church and what have you and I grew up with that environment and, and having you know religion since I was born and before you know and I'm you know like you like uh, I know in your book like before you've done anything or what have you you would always pray and do the R father and what have you and I, I think a lot of people don't get us that you know there may be dark energies in this world or whatever but 
just because we're doing this doesn't mean it's not of the light. And if we're doing it to help other, especially grieving parents, what is the harm in it? And I, I had noticed something, too. Your father's um, gift started when he was about three with, with Melvin, his friend Melvin. Or, or did I, yeah. I read something about that? Well, his correct. Uh, I, before I get into that, I'll tell you you're going to like Chapter 8 of my new book. It's called Psychic Phenomena and Mediumship in Religion and History. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. really dive into that deeply, and I think a lot of the disparaging comments and feelings are based on traditional views that have just evolved over time and rem- right. remained unquestioned, where people don't really know Scripture that well, but they're throwing mm-hmm. stuff out because their pastor said this, or somebody else said, oh, that's bad. You know, the reality mm-hmm. is, you know, the way I view it is that all of the, you know, if, you're, if you really believe that there were any miracles that happened that are reported in Scripture, the most logical mm-hmm. way to state that most of these things happen is through this sort of phenomena. It's the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And so, <laughs> it, you know, to me, it's, it's a better validation for Scripture than to deny it, because then you're mm-hmm. almost denying that those miracles and those things actually happened. Um, right, but, right. So I got well, off track there. What was your question? <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to get off base. It's just like I said, I've got my regular notes, but after reading your book, I, I, I put all these notes together that I was just so amazed and what have you. Um, but I, I noticed uh, there were a lot of quotes in, in, in your uh, Soul Shift book, like, uh, like in the Bible, for instance, uh, John fourteen twelve. your father quoted, uh, Jesus saying to his disciples, he who believes in me will do the works I do and even greater. And yet we're condemned for doing this. You know what I'm saying? And people right. say, well, you should go back to your Bible if you're doing this kind of stuff. Well, this is in the Bible, you know. <laughs> and um, the other well, thing I'd like to say about your father. physical like, meeting. Yeah, I was just going to say there's an example of physical mediumship, the story of the transfiguration, where Jesus is seen by his disciples talking to two dead people, Moses and Elijah. So the real rub comes in when they go back to the Old Testament, because that's where most of the disparaging marks are made. And they're they're made in books like Leviticus that are Mm -hmm. from basically tribal leaders of the, the Jewish tribe at that time frame, trying to set forth their rules and regulations for how they lived, you know, and some of those things right. are pretty archaic, like they allowed slavery and said it was okay. So to, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody, where people get uptight are the folks that say every word of the Bible is the word of God, and don't take into consideration that it was penned by men of that day, and, you know, right. I, I don't deny that I think that there are some truly inspired parts of the Bible, but when you read some of these older parts that involve genocide, and things like that that just conf- don't seem to emulate Jesus at all, you know, mm-hmm. um, then right. to me, it's like, look, use a little common sense here maybe and think, you know, the folks that read that, that was the mindset of that day to condemn, you know, mediumship because the pagans ha- uh, allowed mediumship and they were, you know, right. saying, hey, we're not like the pagans, we're different, so don't do that, right. that's bad. But at the same time, right. they're also saying slavery's okay. So. You know, that's the rub. People will go back to the Old Testament passages, but when you go into the New Testament, you see all these phenomena happening, and Jesus is doing them, mm-hmm. and so are his disciples. Yeah, um, raising so, Lazarus. You know, that, <laughs> you know, but you end up with this, you just have a, the same book conflicts itself. And the reason right, for that right. is the Bible is actually 66 different books written by different authors over millennia right. of time. And so right. that, that's, that's the real heart of the issue, so... Um, you know what I love about your dad? 
Oh, I'm sorry. What I what I liked about uh, when your dad went and questioned his minister, and I thought that was really cool about like, um, you know, he was questioning him about parts of the Bible and and saying, you know, do you love your son? Can can you can you do some quote? Because that's in Soul Shift, your book Soul yeah, Shift. Yeah, it is. Yeah, could you give us a little bit of what he he talked about with the minister? He was what twelve years old about twelve at the time, or what have yeah, you? He was, and he was asking questions. Yeah, he was 12 years old, and he, um, let's see here, I think it's, anyhow, I, I won't try and read it verbatim, but um, That's he okay. was kind of going on okay. his own spiritual quest, because you know, this kind of goes back to what you had asked me before, and you'd asked about mm-hmm. him, you know, his, his abilities developing as early right. as age three, at least that's when they were shown. My grandmother told mm-hmm. me that she saw it in him as early as age three. She didn't give me a lot of examples of how she saw it, but it was really age five that it was the, the biggest kind of coming out party took place, and that was mm-hmm. uh, he was born cross-eyed, and he had been taken to the Columbus, Ohio Children's Hospital for corrective surgery on his eyes. Mm-hmm. And after they were finished, his eyes were cupped and bandaged, and they had him actually tied mm-hmm. into a bed um, mm-hmm. so that he wouldn't mess with the bandages. And so this one nurse felt sorry for him, and she said, you know, I'll untie you, but you have to promise you won't take the bandages off. So he agreed. And so she left and went on her rounds. She came back and found him bouncing a ball against the wall and catching it. And she thought, oh, my God, he's removed the bandages. But he hadn't. He hadn't, right. which was even more disturbing. So right. at that point, she brought in these other doctors to check him out, and they tried a number of tests on him, like they'd put him into bed, and one doctor would stand in the doorway and say, hey, who's in front of you now? And another doctor would be in front of him, but he wouldn't say anything, but he'd get it right every time. So... Mm-hmm. That was kind of when my, you know, my grandmother really knew that he was very different in many ways. And then right. after that, he had various experiences growing up, and he had a, a good friend named Melvin McCarty. Now, I think that was later. Um, I think right. he was probably 12 years old or so when, when this friend died. And what had happened mm-hmm. was the two of them were playing in a creek, and his mother came out and, and called for him to come home because they were going into town to go to the movies and dinner or right. whatever. And so mm-hmm. he says, I'll see you tomorrow. And my dad just blurted out. He didn't even think it just kind of flew out of his mouth. He goes, no, I won't. Tomorrow you'll be dead. And yep. it wasn't like my father to say anything harmful or hurtful. Yeah. And he did, you know, it right. just came out. And um, another mm-hmm. friend apparently heard him say that. And then the next right. morning my dad woke up and there were rocks being thrown against his window and he opened it up. And the friend had said, you know, Melvin died last night in a car accident. Um, mm. And and so it was as though they thought that my dad cursed him or caused it somehow as opposed to just predicting right. it. Yeah, and that's so something else I was, related to with your dad. I, 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 that stuck out, and I, I took notes on that because um, when I was about nine after, well, eventually if you read my book, um, I was diagnosed, misdiagnosed with encephalitis. It was the beginning of my MS, not diagnosed until I was 50 with truly MS. And uh, my aunt and my uncle were at the house with my parents on a Saturday night, and I did a similar thing, not knowing what I was saying. And that really got to me when I read about your dad with Melvin, because I can remember going up the stairs, and my parents, they were all playing pinochle at the, around the dining room table. And my aunt looked at me, and instead of good night, I looked at her, and I said, goodbye, Aunt Dot. And she looked at me, never say goodbye, it's good night. I said, no, goodbye, Aunt Dot. The next week, she died of a heart attack in her 40s. And that, when 
as years went on, and then reading what your father did with Melvin, I could totally relate to that, and that really blew me away. I'm like, oh, my God, did it start then? I often thought it did, you know, uh, or probably even before because I had strange things my whole life, you know. But I could relate to what your father did, and it was it, it, it bothered me my whole life. It's like, oh, my gosh, I told her goodbye, and I never saw her again after that, you know. So I can, I also can relate on that level. So that, that's another one of your um, – what's the, the – uh, I can't say the word well. <laughs> Synchronicity. <laughs> oh, good. That's why I have Melissa as my co-host because <laughs> when the words don't come out because of the MS, she can get them. I know what they are. I know how to say them, but I just can't. They don't come out proper at times. But anyhow, I found that quite amazing too. And uh, well, let me get back on on some of the other tracks. Oh, like uh, about with the minister I, that when he, I loved him questioning the minister. Do you remember some of the things? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do word for word, right. of course. But uh, that really got to me too. What the things that he was saying? Because these were the kind of the things I was thinking growing up, but I was afraid to say anything to the minister. Always. Well, my dad him. had been. Take, he had been going to a Methodist church, apparently, in his mm-hmm. younger days. And um, he was, my dad was an intellectual in addition to having mm-hmm. these abilities. And he thought, you know, right. I was born with these abilities. I don't feel like they're bad. They seem mm-hmm. to be, you know, something that, that is helpful. Um, and, um, right. and so he was just questioning some of the things being taught in church. And so one day he asked the minister if he could ask him some questions. And the minister right. said yes. And he said, um, "Do you? He, he, I got to think this out." He says, "Do you um, do you have a, a child or a son?" And he goes, "Yes, I do have a son." And he says, "Well, mm-hmm. um, who loves your son more, you or God?" And he said, "Well, God does because God's love is infinite, and I'm just a human." And then my dad mm-hmm. asked him, "Well, if your son was very bad, could you throw him into a, a, a pit of fire?" And he says, right. "Well, no, I, I could never do that." And he says, well, if God loves your son more than you, how is God going to throw him in a pit of fire? Love and it, he couldn't it, answer it. him. And so that's really mm-hmm. what that dialogue, how that went. And it wasn't mm-hmm. long after that that my dad stumbled into a spiritualist church, um, which he'd never been to before. Um, and, uh, it, and there was a service about to take place where the minister was going to um, give out messages to people. Um, right. And so he, got, he went there. And this is after his buddy Melvin had died. And he right. and Melvin apparently had these secret code names for each other that no one else was allowed to know. And mm-hmm. um, the code name that my dad had for Melvin was Paisy, which is an odd name. <laughs> not, not, common. Paisley, but <laughs> not common. Right, Paisy. Right. And right. Um, so anyhow, the minister, uh, when he walked in, uh, this woman who was handing out papers said, well, write down uh, any question you want. He goes, I don't know what to write. And she says, just write a message, please, and then sign your name. Mm-hmm. So a while later, the uh, minister gets my dad's paper, and he says, um, uh, Richard Ireland. And, and my dad says, yes, I'm here. And he says, well, I have a young man here who I think is your mm-hmm. friend. And he, he, ha- he says that he's got, um, he has a name for you, and the name is Paisy. Wow. So then my dad was pretty stunned and excited. And then um, mm-hmm. the man later told me, he says, you know, one day not too far from now, you'll be doing what I do. And right. it did come to pass later. And then within a short period of time, he uh, was invited to sit in a circle where people were trying to help each other develop abilities. And um, they would just go around and each person would give impressions that they have about other people there. 
and when it was his turn, I think this is when he was 13, he, mm-hmm. he, you know, all of a sudden told one woman about a be careful on the back porch because of, you know, behind her sliding door. Um, mm-hmm. And it turned out she did have a slope to that and it was very slippery. And another person about their Scotty dog and he was just getting all this. So that was kind of his coming out party after the first one. Um, wow. And then, then, but his... His mother kind of kept this. She w- didn't have any problem with it, but she didn't want him to get too distracted while he was still in school. So this right. was kind of backburnered until he was like 18, 17, 18 years old in terms of really furthering his development to a great extent. Do you think your father ever doubted himself as a child, or was uh, was he ever frightened of it? Did he ever talk about it? Or no? Um, this is very no? unusual because I hear about this self doubt in most psychics and mediums. And I think that's mm-hmm. one thing with my dad, why he was so good. Um, right. Because I've not met anyone at his level in my whole life. And my uncle was probably oh, no. the closest. He's, he's and I've, the met, good, I've met some of the best today, but there's nobody mm-hmm. on that level. And I just think part right. of that was, he w- you know, first off, he grew up in an era where there was no TV, radio, all these distractions we have today that are all right. sensory information related. So he had a lot right. of time, a quiet time in nature, time alone and mm-hmm. um you know it, it he was just more sensitive to to that input and so as he grew up i just think it be it was a prominent part he was very dedicated to his own development he saw it as a spiritual endeavor and it, right. it just kind of took off and i just don't he just i never saw doubt in him he would go into any environment right. knowing mm-hmm. that he was going to be able to do this and and provide right, right. information accurately and and right. just it's a huge thing to have. Sorry about myself going off in the background. I thought I shut it off. I'm sorry. I apologize oh, sorry. for the interference. Actually, it's a Ray K lady that I'm supposed to be going to see next week, so <laughs> I'll call her back later. <laughs> um, wow, this is. I'm just floored by it all. I mean, I just. I. He he is the king as far as I'm concerned. I, I you know, I have some friends that are you know powerhouses as mediums and what have you. I have my own personal medium she's like number five in the country and what have you whatever and um but your dad is the king i mean he the things that he did like on the steve allen show like can you can you tell the the listeners some some of the things that he would do like uh being blindfolded and bringing up names and serial uh, uh sequences on dollar bills and and how um, the, the most amazing was really when Steve Allen really accepted that this is real when he had the uh, the money in his pocket, like in your your book, Soul Shift. Yeah, of, he dug uh, it out of his pocket. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing. Well, people can actually see it for themselves because if they go to my website, I have a link to it. Um, it's just markirelandauthor.com. Mark okay. with a K, Ireland like the country, author. Markirelandauthor.com. Okay. There's a link right on my home page to the videos and other information. So if they want to see it for themselves, they can. But I'll just give you a general sense for what a normal demonstration was like. Um, mm-hmm. He would start out um, and put basically ten strips of Johnson Johnson medical tape over his eyes. And mm-hmm. they were directly on his eyelids. Uh, it's interesting because right. I've actually talked to magicians and other people who who know how to do some trickery, you know, involving blindfold type right. of stuff. One method mm-hmm. is that they will just put a single blindfold on 
and then they kind of look down and they they can read a message down below and then they'll hold right. another one up to their head to act like it's the one next to their head they're at talking about another exactly. method i recently learned um is where i guess they actually put like a coin over their eyes and then they put mm -hmm. tape and blindfolds over that but the coin actually right. apparently allows them to push bulge or eyeballs out to create an opening where they can see down so my father didn't use anything like that it was just tape right mm -hmm. on his eyelids 10 strips right. of it and then three black blindfolds over that and then more tape over that and the tape actually would extend down over the top of the blindfold down over the cheek so there's right. there's no pathway there to see anything um right. and also the funny thing is my dad was blind as a bat he could not pass a driver's license really? exam if i if i gave him something to read he would have to take mm -hmm. out these Coke bottle bottom type glasses to, to even see it. Right. So it just cracked me up to even think of somebody thinking that he could look at anything and read it. But right. the way that the information would come into him was so spontaneous and fluid and so much mm -hmm. so fast. It, it was just phenomenal. So, you know, you might ask a question about, um, you know, your book. Um, so. Maybe you write a question about your book, and he, he answers it, says, yeah, your book, you know, has helped a lot of people. It's going to continue to do well. But then he'd go on to something else he didn't even list. And, right. you know, maybe he'd say, you have a husband named Donald. And, right. Um, and then, you know, um, and then talk Which about. Which I Yeah. Which yeah. I did. <laughs> and, and that Donald, you know, was an auto mechanic. And that um, Donald, you know, he's he's passed on right, yeah, and, and share information about that, specifics about him that no one else would know. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, people can get a sense for that with a video, and that video is mainly, that's, that's the psychic demonstration, not really the mediumship, but in that in kind of environment on a TV show at that time. Well, he, he, you wouldn't, he did it you all. I mean, he there. was just amazing. It wasn't, it wasn't just like, you know, a lot of people, you know, that are intuitive or they, 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 you have your, your psychics and you have your mind readers. Your dad had it all going on. He had it all. You know, yeah, it was the um, diversity. It was very, very yeah, diverse. yeah. He was he was a spice of life. <laughs> That's what amazed me about him. And you know, like I said, back in the '60s, early '70s, and people were, you know, it. I think a lot of people took this work as a joke. And you know, I think more and more people now are opening up because I think the veil is thinning between the worlds. Like you have the same um, hypothesis I have, uh, where the you know the veil is thinning and heaven is not above. It's a part of the dimension here like you described you know it's it's just a different uh, dimension here you know and yeah, that was brought to my attention yeah yeah it was um i guess i don't know it was first or second reading after my son passed three years ago my daughter's been going 12 years my son three and i went to see my medium and um she had told me she described this pond behind me i live on the hudson river we have a beach house what have you right on the hudson and but there's a pond behind us that you know people in the area know about and she started describing things and told me how i said well what is my because my husband died nine months before my son of diabetes and uh she says i said is he still hunting she goes yeah he's he's over in the woods by that pond where you go all the because I, I like to fish I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, he's, he, is he fishing in heaven? I mean, is he hunting in heaven? She goes, no, he's hunting over by the pond. 
I'm like, she goes, and that's when she says, heaven, everybody thinks is above. It's just a different dimension off of earth, you know, and, and you talk about that in the book, uh, about the different dimensions from here to heaven to different, you know, planes in existence, you know, and I found that amazing, too, you know, it's just like, you know, people are always looking up and saying, okay, they're up there. Well, no, they're here. They're here, you know. Up there is outer um, space. It's uh, other planets yeah, pretty much, other stars pretty much. and galaxies. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, something else I wanted to ask you. Let's let's talk about um, all your books now. You, you've got uh, Soul Shift, which is the one I read, and I can't wait to read the next one, Messages uh, from the Afterlife. Um, right. Where do you go with the second book that you didn't cover in Soul Shift? Uh, okay. Is it more intense of things that you're doing, or, or what is that about? I'd say the major differentiator is it. Soul Shift is mainly a memoir, and it has mm-hmm. some science in it, and it has my, but it's mainly my journey and all my experiences, so it's a very personal account. The next mm-hmm. book strives to continue that thread, so I still have more stories, so if you really enjoy the personal stories of things that happened to me, they're mm-hmm. in there. But there's, there's also um, an educational part to it in that I'm trying to give people more information about the field so that they will understand mm-hmm. it better. So as right. a case in point, I have you know a few what you might call scholarly chapters or they're more educational chapters. One of them is called Seeing Things Differently. And it just talks mm-hmm. a bit about you know how people fall into this program way of thinking um, mm-hmm. of their objective reality in the world as being what is real. And, right. and you know they don't take into consideration uh, the fact that there are other factors out there there's you know there's sound waves they can't hear and there's um things they can't see that exist you know um right so it just kind of goes through this process of opening people's minds up a little bit to consider the evidence and then it also shares the evidence of the psychical research which has been conducted for more than a hundred years and some of the Mm -hmm. best cases of evidence in there um there's another chapter on uh, where i interviewed two psychic mediums to find out what their process is actually like because people who have had a reading may get confused or think, well, the medium said, I saw this or I heard that. Well, what does that mean exactly? Is it just like mm-hmm. seeing through your eyes? Is it like hearing through your ears or is it different? Right. So I, I felt it was important to put that together to give people more insight to how the mediums work, how they get the information, how it comes to them. I have a chapter right. on skeptics uh, because there's so many skeptics. You know, uh, we live in a very materialistic well, society. And you're trained through your schooling, and especially in the college, um, unfortunately, to just think that the material world is all that is real and and there's nothing else beyond that. And so Mm -hmm. when you get into the unseen realms (laughs) that are just as real, um, it's it's difficult for people to open their minds to that. So I'm not trying to battle the skeptics in that chapter, but I do try and open the minds of other folks so they don't get sucked in by the arguments of the skeptics. Because there's mm-hmm. a legitimate type of skepticism, but it's an open-minded one. It's one that says, I don't know if I believe this, but I don't know if I disbelieve it. Tell me about mm-hmm. it, and I'll decide. You know, that's, that's, a, right. that's a true skeptic. But the debunker type skeptic is the one that says, this is baloney, it can't be true, and I'm going to disprove it. And, if, yeah, you know, and I'm going right, to ignore like any evidence. My way or no way. Yeah, yeah and no I'm way. going to ignore anything you say as evidence because it can't be real. Yeah, um, yeah. So... 
there's another chapter, as I mentioned before earlier, that's on uh, you know psychic phenomena, mediumship, and religion and history. A lot of folks get hung up in this area, especially if they're raised with a real traditional mindset from a lig- religious mm-hmm. perspective. And so right. um, they have a hard time. They may want to go get a medium reading or something if they've lost somebody, but they're hesitant because they're afraid, you know, because of their religious upbringing. So I really tackle mm-hmm. the issue, and I show them, you know, through scripture that, you know what, um, my position is that it is not bad. Now, are there, are there lower entities? Are there less evolved souls on the other side? Of course. I mean, in this world, mm-hmm. we have degenerates and murderers and everything else. So if they die exactly. and they continue on, you know, <laughs> you know, so it's, exactly. it's probably in every realm. There's, you know, think of it as a spectrum from, you know, on, a, on one end, you've got Gandhi and Mother Teresa types that are very mm-hmm. pure souls. And on the other end, you've got people that are way less evolved and everybody in exactly. between. So why would the other dimensions be different than, than this one? You know, that way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I find that then, a lot of times when I uh, invite people on my um, my Facebook to my my radio show, and you, and these are the ones that were like the most supportive while my children were ill and whatever, and now all of a sudden they decline to hear the show because they're either very, uh, you know, let's say Catholic or Jewish or whatever, and they don't want this like they, a lot of them think I've gone off the deep end saying, oh yes, I am intuitive and whatever. Well, what the hell's wrong with her now? You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people do it out of fear. I mean, they know me as a person. You know what I'm saying? But they, I think they do it, like you said, because they were brought up in a very structured um, uh, religious uh, belief, and uh, I'm not taking that away from them. I was born, you know, brought up in the Episcopal Church and was very similar upbringing, you know what I'm saying? But uh, right. as as we evolve as, as 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 individuals with free will, you you should be open to, you know, um the spiritual side of life too, which is all part of what they're teaching in the pulpit, you know? Um I, I had said something in one of the chapters of my book about why do you disbelieve what I tell you when you sit in that the, in the in, in the, the church every Sunday and listen to the same thing that there is a heaven. Uh, I recently saw the movie Heaven is for Real with um, with uh, uh, the preacher's you know, son and, and Greg Kinnear. And, excuse me? I'm sorry? Oh, I said Greg Kinnear was the main actor in that, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah, but, you know, with the actual, the you know, portraying the actual people in, you know, that was a minister or whatever, and he's sitting there, and he was doubting his son until he was coming out and telling him things, there was no things that he could know. I did actually get a whole show on it after the movie. And, uh, but yet the, 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 the elders of the church are ready to boot him out when he came out and started telling them what his son went through, it's like, it was almost like hypocritical to, you know, we're all on the same page here. We're not saying, you know, believe in demons and, 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 and this is from demons or whatever. We're all, we're all hoping and striving to go to the same source, you know what I'm saying? And they're ready to kick this guy out of the church for, well, for telling, it's, it, it's, it, it's weird. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It really is crazy at times, you know? There's a couple things what are with your, that, I think. One is that okay, go ahead. Um, I think that a lot of people who go to church and, and act very um, like believers, at some level mm-hmm. there's a lack of belief, but they're never going exactly. to admit that, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where it, it's the difference between kind of knowing and believing. Like that little boy has the experience. They haven't mm-hmm. had that. 
I think the other thing is that there's this, they have an expectation of how it's supposed to be or an expectation right. of how it's going to work. And then this comes back not mirroring that exactly. And so mm-hmm. then they struggle with that because they have this dogma that everything's supposed to fit. It works like this. You know, you're going right. to go into, right. s- into this deep sleep and you'll be there till Judgment Day and, you know, uh-huh. that kind of a thing. As opposed to, hey, I'm conscious the entire time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going on to the next realm now, and it's great. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not having to wait for some judgment day in the future. Um, yeah. And the closest thing to a judgment day that you actually get through these near-death experiences like that is the life review that a lot of people report. You know, that mm-hmm. is an a integral part of many near-death experiences that people have, and it is like a judgment, but it's a self-judgment. It's a reflection of the life you lived, how you helped, and how you hurt other people. And, yeah. and what better teacher could there be than that sort of experience? So um, right. I think it's kind of those two things. There's, I think, you know, there's a surface-level way of acting, and there's a true inner belief. And then the other part is that people, you know, with it that are very dogmatically religious have expectations for how it will work. And if your story doesn't match up with that, then they will say, oh, that's not real. I, I think I heard or saw one, you know, minister <coughs> probably of... of a real fundamentalist type say, you know, well, I don't, that's not really happening. Those near-death experiences are, you know, they're tricks of, from the devil. But, yeah. you know, I can refute or the that brain, pretty easily. the brain of doing whatever. I, I found a, a, quite a bit of interest, too. Bishop Pike was mentioning your book. I know of Bishop yep. Pike uh, being Episcopalian. And, uh, you know, like I said, my dad working for the church for 50 years. And your father had experiences with Bishop Pike, right, uh, as far as... Um, uh, I'm not saying Bishop Pipe was uh, was a medium. Um, what was his experience with him? Do you remember that? Yeah, I just want to finish one point on the near death experience before I answer that, though, if it's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I don't it's mean to okay. go all over the place. <laughs> it, it, it's just that this that I you know I think there's good evidence to refute both the person that said it's the brain that causes the near death experience, and also right. the person that says it's a it's not real. It's a trick because you know it's a trick of the devil. And I'll give mm-hmm. you an example. One is uh, there was a woman named uh, Anita Morjani who wrote right. a book not too long ago. And there was an experience she had where her, she lifted out of her body and she went down mm-hmm. the hall of a hospital. And so down right. the hall, you know, way down the hall, her husband and doctor are talking about specifics pertaining to her condition and likelihood she was not going to survive. Right. So later she's revived and tell them what she heard and it was exactly the same thing that they had discussed so she was her her non-physical body her spirit was down the hall from her body and was so Mm -hmm. her body was not within hearing distance of that conversation so how could that be and it was obviously accurate so it's not a trick if it's accurate it's not Mm -hmm. a trick right so anyhow so as far as Bishop Pike goes, yeah, I don't know the depth of their knowledge of each other or friendship. I do have a letter from Bishop Pike, which is kind of interesting, but some of your mm-hmm. listeners may not know. You know, Bishop Pike, he was high up in the Episcopal Church back in the 60s, and he wrote a number of controversial right. books because he was pretty open-minded and progressive mm-hmm. for his day. Um, mm-hmm. And um, kind of like uh, Bishop Shelby Spong, John Shelby Spong is today, is kind of similar, mm-hmm. I think, because I read his works. But uh, Pike, 
he, you know, he was, one of his areas of interest was learning more about the historical Jesus because he felt like the Gospels are a narrative that is more trying to, you know, that they're not, you can't look at them necessarily as purely historical documents. And when you right. know the history that, you know, Mark is the oldest of the four Gospels, and it was written probably 40 years after the crucifixion, um, and it relies on earlier Gospels um, that are no longer in existence, and before mm-hmm. that there were oral accounts, you know, and then you realize Matthew and Mark, I mean, um, Matthew and Luke were about 15 years after that, and John was the latest. There's mm-hmm. also Gospel of Thomas, which just didn't get incorporated in the Bible, but a lot of scholars respect it greatly. But right. I think because the, we don't have the source documents and you didn't have the original observations, Pike wanted to, he was kind of looking at learning more about the historical Jesus, you know, from whatever he could discover on his own or, or determine. And there's a lot of books out mm-hmm. there on that topic now. But Pike mm-hmm. wanted to do a trip to the Holy Land to explore the area where Jesus was, uh, had lived and, and everything. And um, my father indicated that he, could, um, I believe, could have gone along with him on that fateful trip. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. not, I, yeah, I can't say that with certainty, uh, but that's my recollection. And mm-hmm. um, so Pike went on this trip, and he never returned. Uh, they couldn't find his body for some time, but apparently he had been walking um, and... Uh, Ended up basically walking off the edge of a cliff. I, I think his yeah, car stalled. Yeah, like, stalled or something. Yeah, I remember yeah. reading that in the book. That was amazing. But, Did you but think um, like, your father had the premonition of that something was going to happen to Bishop Pike at the time, or what? You know, what he never that? told me that he knew it was going to happen to Pike. So my my impression is that he probably had an inner sense not to go there, but he, um, you know, had he been invited, which was the implication I seem to remember, but that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he probably didn't wasn't given the information that Pike wasn't going to survive um, because maybe it was maybe that was supposed to be how things ended for Pike. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. That's all speculation on my part. But the, right. the other interesting right. thing about Bishop Pike is that if you go back a couple years earlier, in 1968, um, mm-hmm. I'm not, there was a book that came out called The Other Side that he had written, and mm-hmm. it was about his experience. With the paranormal, after his son had committed suicide, so he mm-hmm. had a son that took his own life, and after that, a bunch of really odd physical phenomena type things happened that gave him an mm-hmm. indication that his son was present and was manipulating physical objects um, in his right. room and in different areas. And then he met with a couple um, pretty prominent mediums of the day that uh, gave him pretty compelling uh, readings. One was mm-hmm. Arthur Ford, who's well-known, and the other was, I think her last name was Twig. Um, mm-hmm. And the only sad part about this, really, I mean, in terms of the authenticity, is that years later there were some questions over Ford, the reading he got from Ford, which is on national TV in Canada. Mm-hmm. Because after Ford died, I guess they found some article that had information in it that had been used during you know, this reading he did on TV. However, there were several other readings that were accurate, and there was, you know, mm-hmm. information there's no way Ford could have known. So I suspect Ford may have been intimidated by the, the idea of going on the national TV, live TV, and doing this reading, mm-hmm. relying solely on right. his abilities, which, which is a sad thing. Um, but mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, it's a great book. Anyone who wants to read it, if they could find a copy, they're out of print, but it's called The Other Side by Bishop Pike. 
It's kind of uh, like that song that uh, you're you with uh, was it James? Um, well, you want to talk about that? Um, that 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 sure. I love that story. Yeah, uh, you know we can let's talk about Brandon, your son. Uh, give us a little background. I know you have two sons, uh, Brandon and Stephen, and um, uh, how you had the intuition that day, or sort of speak of that something was going to happen that day. Um, you want to start with that, uh, the day of, of Brandon's um, passing? Yeah, um, Brandon was 18 years old, and I had been on the mm-hmm. road the, the week prior with a new job. Right. And I came home right. on a Friday night, and mm-hmm. um, I just had this feeling I needed to go see him. And so the first thing I did when I got in the house, I went right to his room, and he was actually there. I figured he'd probably be out of <laughs> right. a movie or something. Being the mother but of four, I know that bed. feeling. <laughs> he's propped up by pillows, watching TV. So he smiled, and I smiled. I gave him a hug. I didn't even say anything. Um, it was just mm-hmm. kind of like, hi, son. And, um, but it was the next morning that I got up, and um, he had mentioned that he was going to go on this hike to the top of the McDowell Mountains, which are behind our home. And right. so uh, a while later, I was sitting at my computer, and I almost felt like there was a presence there. And I felt mm-hmm. this kind of sense of urgency and concern over Brandon and the hike. And I almost felt right. like it might take his life. And, I, and then I just started, this is the rational side of me, took over, and I just thought, you're just imagining this. Just relax. I hate that side. You know, yeah. And so, but I did try later. It was, it was kind of a windy day, and I asked Brandon, right. you know, just as he was about to get in the car with his friends, I said, Brandon, please don't go. It's too windy today. And he says, we're mm-hmm. going, Dad. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like saying, quit worrying, you know. And yeah. um, so it was hours later that I got a call, and we were on the other end of town at the time, and I was hopeful mm-hmm. it was, you know, from Brandon telling me he got back okay, which, you know, I'd left him my note on the counter. And uh, mm-hmm. it was actually my other son, Stephen, who was at work, and he called me because right. he was um, – he was getting calls from the other boys who were on the mountain with Brandon, and they said that he was passing out and needed help. And so that Stephen needed me to kind of take over on that because he was at work mm-hmm. and he was a nervous wreck when he got the call. So right. I called nine, you know, I called one of the boys. I talked to him a little bit, and then I called 911, and they finally got a helicopter up there and everything else. And by the time we got home, there was just this swarm of spectators and ambulance, fire truck, helicopter, yep. and everything. And, the first person they introduced me to was a chaplain, and then my heart just sank when that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened with my like first child, too. Yeah, and and my daughter got a Mother's Day. I was greeted by the chaplain being told that, oh, everything, you know, they're working on her, but they didn't want to wait. They wanted, because it was Mother's Day, to get me inside because they knew I'd probably collapse, you know. And uh, so I, I know that chaplain routine. <laughs> it's scary. That you, you know, so he was, he was a very compassionate man, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he I had come out after 15, 20 minutes and just said, did my son pass away? And he said, yes, mm-hmm. he did. And when yep. he said that, I said, God. But I knew that was the answer he was going to give, you know. And um, yep. so that that's what that day was like, and it was hell. Um, but I called a lot of people afterwards, and uh, one of the people I talked to was my uh, uncle, who was still alive at the time, even though my dad had passed on. And my uncle has mm-hmm. similar abilities, and he said, well, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. And I mm-hmm. said, well, if you get any kind of connection or message from Brandon, I'd really appreciate it. Yep. And um, it was 
two, I think two days later, I was in the mortuary, and he called me, or I called him, I can't remember which, and he said, Mark, there's something I want to tell you. He said, um, I tried last night to connect, and I, I couldn't get anything, but this morning I was meditating, and your dad came to me, and he told me that he was there when Brandon crossed over. Brandon was a little confused, but he helped him adjust, mm-hmm. and um, and that he was sharing the message. Brandon <coughs> wanted you to know that you're the best parents you ever could have had, which is oh. obviously the one we like to hear. Um, but exactly. along with that, he said, your dad said, you know, the cause of death was a lack of oxygen that caused his heart to fail. And mm-hmm. so at this point, we didn't know the cause. We hadn't been told anything. It was really confusing, actually, because his symptoms sounded really unusual and different. Uh, you know, he had just told well, he was an friend, as- he, was he an a- He was an asthmatic, right? He had mild right. asthma. So he yeah, had mild yeah. asthma, but it didn't seem like that was the cause of death because his buddy had said that his um, his he had reported, you know, he felt like his heart was beating rapidly and his arms were kind of numb, but he didn't really mm-hmm. speak about him having a hard time breathing, although I'm assuming he must have. Right. But, um, you know, my uncle didn't know any of this. And so th- two, three days later, I talked to the autopsy physician, and she indicates that it was a severe asthma attack that causes blood oxygen levels to drop, causes heart to fail, mm-hmm. which is exactly right. what my uncle had shared. So. Wow. That was kind of the first thing, and then there, you know, there was a number of things that happened after that. And like you said with the song, um, this is six months after Brandon passed. We mm-hmm. um, we had intended to take Brandon on a cruise to celebrate his high school graduation, and so since right. he wasn't physically here to go, we opted to take our older son Stephen and mm-hmm. Brandon's best friend Stu. And Stu was a right. young man who had tried to revive Brandon and spent 45 minutes doing CPR on his wow. best friend, you know. Mm. So we took Stu along, and uh, we had a great time. It was a week-long uh, Caribbean cruise. And when we got back, mm-hmm. um, the day we got back, Susie went into our bedroom, and Stephen went to his bedroom, and I went to the den. And then mm-hmm. while I was in the den, Susie said she was sitting at the, you know, right in front of our bed, and she felt right. a presence to her side. And then she could mm-hmm. see a shadow figure through her peripheral vision. And she knew mm-hmm. it was Brandon. And she didn't want right. to turn because she was afraid it would disrupt that vision. It would go away. Um, exactly. And so it was there for, for a, a good little while. And then I walked in the room and kind of started talking and kind of disrupted the whole process. And <laughs> she didn't tell me at the time because she didn't want me to feel bad. Right. She did tell me later on that night, you know, later that night or in the morning, I can't remember. But the the next day, we got a call from a musician friend named James Linton. Now, just so you can put the the dots together here, James had been someone who was hiking on that same mountain the day Brandon died. He and his group were behind Brandon. Yeah, he, he didn't know Brandon. He had had nothing to do with Brandon's group going up the mountain. They just happened to be there. This happened right. to be there, and they were yep. following up, and when they saw the signs of distress, they went up to try and help, but by the time they got there, Brandon was gone. Um, mm. So James turned out, you know, we, the only way we found him or connected with him was that, you know, the boys had told us there was another group that had come up. They didn't know who that group was, but they were, you know, they were helpful, and um, mm-hmm. so we knew there was this other group, but we didn't know who the people were. And so I found right. through the online obituary that this posting had been made by James, and he says, hey, we were the people on the mountain. We'd love to meet you if you'd like to talk. And so mm-hmm. um, that's how we came together. 
Wow. So, um, and we'd met James a few times and um, gotten to be friends after the fact. Mm-hmm. And so, and James had said, it was funny because the day Brandon passed, he said, God, why did you bring me here? I can't even help. I can't help yeah. save this boy. Why am I here? Why, you know? Yeah. So he felt like he was supposed to be there to help, but he couldn't help. So little did he mm-hmm. know he was going to help about six months later. So. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward, again, it's um, July, and um, my wife just had that experience, okay, where Brandon, she felt his presence and saw him through her peripheral vision. The very next morning, Mm -hmm. she gets a call, and it's from James, and James had borrowed Brandon's bass guitar. Brandon was a bass player. James is a guitar player and a singer, and he composes Mm -hmm. music. So James had borrowed that because he didn't have a bass, and he was recording some songs, and he needed it. But James is left-handed. Brandon's right-handed, but he just figured he'd <laughs> he'd go with the floor on this. Finagled it. <laughs> yeah. So James calls Susie and and he says, um, Susie, I've got something to tell you, but I I really I'm not sure how to tell you. And she thought, uh oh, he dropped the base. But it wasn't that at all. Oh. He he proceeded to tell her, well, I was I was um, writing and recording this one song or recording this one song. And as mm-hmm. I went along, I felt another presence in the recording room with me, and I, I saw a shadow figure wow. out of my peripheral vision. And, and I saw flashes of light. Right? Yep. Wow. And he had wow. no way of knowing she'd had the experience. And then, mm-hmm. she's, then he said um, that, you know, he thought he was hallucinating. He went to get water. He got some food. He took a shower. But every time mm-hmm. he returned to the studio, it was stronger and stronger. And it was not mm-hmm. something he could close off. And so he finally, exactly. he just put two and two together. He says, um, okay, Brandon, tell me what you want me to do. And at that moment, he felt guided to redo this song, to redo the words, to redo the bass mm-hmm. line. And it became a song called The Other Side. And uh, it's was a great song. Was that the intention? Was that, well, actually, I have the other side on. I, I, I brought it up today. And I found that another uh, weird connection with us. I recently had a, a friend, through a ver- another very good friend of mine who, who's in my book, who lost her, her husband um, a few months after my son passed. That was very cl- I was very close to. And we've had some strange experiences prior to my son's death and even to my daughter's. So anyhow, I met this girl. She's a uh, up up and coming singer songwriter, and um, just recently played with um, Carol King's director at uh, the the um, Cutting Room in the City. Strangely enough, one of her songs is also called "The Other Side," and it blew me away when I saw it because I was just playing her song "The Other Side," and then I saw in her book about your song the other side of course they're not the same song but i felt that was kind of ironic also it was really very strange to me it was wow like an, an oprah aha moment you know what i'm saying i'm like wow well, so James tell us about actually originally song. he'd originally yeah, titled it he had originally titled it on the other side and i kind of uh-huh. wish that he'd have kept that and um i think that he um, felt like the other side was less controversial than the sound of on the other side. I don't know, but he changed wow. the title. And so, um, but Aerosmith has a song called The Other Side too. So it would have been better to have it yeah. be called On the Other Side because it would be no other song with the same name. But but anyhow, exactly. he told us he said um, this is the best song I've ever written, but I didn't write it. Yeah. And he says this wow. is a gift for you and, and your family. And um, mm-hmm. 
And one of the medium friends actually told us it's a gift for all of mankind, all of humankind. Yeah, it's a and if you listen to the listen words, to it. it, yeah, it's it's really it says a lot. Yes, it does. Yes, it is a beautiful song, absolutely beautiful. Is uh, James writing more music now, or is it, this is one of his only songs, or what's the story with him and your connection with James he, these days? Or he was actually really. We're still friends. He's actually really mm-hmm. pro- been very prolific with writing and recording music, but he found it's very hard to make a living doing that. So he yeah, actually started artists, his. Right. <laughs> well, he started his own recording studio, and now he runs uh-huh. a recording studio. And I actually have a band that I play in for fun, and I write some of my own songs. So we actually recorded six songs in his studio not too long ago. Oh, and so that's what he's doing today. Come on, and play some of your music. I would love to hear it. Definitely love well, to hear it. Some, come back. I can send you some MP3s, but if you want to check it out, uh, our band website is rocktonicband.com. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm very into music myself. I'm uh, Janis Joplin's sound alike when it comes to singing. <laughs> I was oh. told I should have went into that. Yes, I have Janis' so, voice. So you're a blues singer. Um, I do. You know what? I do a lot of the oldies. I'm actually one of my very dear friends was my next door neighbor. Um, not to go into my life, but a year and a half ago, after losing two children, my husband, sister, brother, you know, there was like one right after the other. I also became a victim and now a survivor of Hurricane Sandy. I almost died that night and I lost another child. And my next door neighbor happened to be Ron uh, Bassett from the Crest. If you remember the song Sixteen Candles. Um, I know the title. I can't place the tune. Yeah, 16 Candles, uh, Make a Lovely Light. It's a well-known song. Johnny Maestro was the original lead singer. Ron took over him. He was my next-door neighbor. Uh, he's been on the show. We played the music on the show and what have you, what have you. So, but and I've actually sang with him. I've actually uh, did a couple sets with uh, uh, Terry uh, King from um, oh gosh, uh, not the Four Seasons. What the heck is it? Um, one of the old, oh the Temptations. One of the Temptations. Sang with him. I sang um, uh, a couple sets with Patty from Meatloaf when she was off tour. She was in a, another yeah. band prior to that. So I've sang with some, but I did it like you, doing it for fun and not trying to make a living at it. Grew up in a very musical family, you know. And uh, right. my grandmother was very good friends with Irving Berlin. There was a lot of compositions. Irving Berlin actually wanted some of my grandmother's compositions. She refused to give it to him. I don't know what she was thinking, you know. But uh, So I come from that background. So I would really love to hear your music. I really would. So I, I also have people like that on the show. I mean, it's about the signs our loved ones send us, intuition, you know, healing other parents uh, like you. And that's another uh, topic I want to bring up is your, your group. And I think that's how we met, uh, if I recall, through uh, Helping Parents Heal. That's one of your, your groups, right? Yeah. Um, so the way this came to be was that there's a woman in Scottsdale, or actually up in Carefree or Cave Creek, Arizona, named Elizabeth Boyson. Mm-hmm. And she had started a local group she called Parents United in Loss. And it was just, Mm -hmm. you know, a North Phoenix, Scottsdale kind of group of people that got together. And it would be kind of like a compassionate friend sort of meeting where you get together, you share your stories and all that. But she wanted, you know, it was a little more open in terms of the things you could talk about because those meetings, they don't really allow you to get into spiritual topics or evidence or signs or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And so... Um, she invited me to the first meeting to speak, which I did, and it went well, and, you know, this kind of took off. And so I tried to be supportive of her group, um, and it grew and did well. And then 
I think I can't remember how long it was, maybe a year later, that there's a medium friend of mine who said, you know, Mark, I feel like your calling really is to work with these parents who have lost kids, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. it's something to do with an organization. So I started right. thinking, I thought, you know, um, what Elizabeth put together is so healing to these people, but it's just this one chapter. If you could blueprint right. that and expand it out, um, it could be really helpful to a bigger base. And I right. also thought, you know, there's no website, there's not mm-hmm. a regular newsletter. So I basically got together with her, and initially I thought about just doing my own thing. I said, you know, you've already kind of built the blueprint here. Do you want to mm-hmm. team up? And she said that she was all excited and decided to do it. So I put a website together, which is helpingparentsheal.info, and mm-hmm. then um, got a newsletter started. And she had the Facebook page already going, and she, you know, she does a great job with that. It's a lot of work. Right. She posts I think about it's one of every the first kid. groups I went to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because so, so we're, we're misunderstood. A lot of the parents that have lost children, um, you know, people get sick of hearing us. They get sick of our grief, and they understand on the holidays and whatever, but they don't realize it's an ongoing daily thing that we struggle with. Whether we're intuitive or not intuitive, we're still human and have those feelings. And groups like helping parents heal is there for people like us that we can say anything and have other support that people that really understand us. So I think it's wonderful that you have that, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah. And then, you know, from that point, and I, I said, how about the name helping parents seal? She loved that. So we used that name. And then, um, you know, we put it out there to say, Hey, we'd like to have groups around the, not only the country, but around the world. And today I believe mm-hmm. we have 20, 20 across North America, including one in Canada. And there's some others mm-hmm. that are, are considering coming on board, even overseas. So I think it's, it's really taken off. And in terms of just, you know, on the Facebook page, it's exploding. We probably get every day at least 20, 30, 50 requests for new members to join. We've gone mm-hmm. from, we had, I'd say a year ago, we were like 900 members. Now we're approaching 4,000 or something like that. Wow. So wow. It is just going crazy. And, you know... Uh, it's a shame there's that many parents that are dealing with it, but at least we're a resource for them. And more, you know, mm-hmm. our differentiator is really that we not only do we allow them to get together and have um, people to help support them, and that they can mm-hmm. talk to who have been through the same thing, but we do allow hopeful discussions about people's stories of evidence. We actually allow mediums to come in and do group readings. In fact, we have a meeting mm-hmm. here on Thursday where we're doing just that. And we have, mm-hmm. we have what, good, in Arizona we have really or all over? Yeah, in Arizona. Now, some of the others oh, okay. have done it, too. We have, a, we have a leader in New York City, Sherry Pearl, who has done the same thing. Mm-hmm. So if, I don't know how I far like away you are from her. her. Yeah, I'm 30 should. miles north of New York City. I'm just 30 miles north. Well, you north. should go to one of her meetings. Oh, definitely. I actually belong to a couple other groups, like uh, My Child Has Wings, which we're doing retreats and what have you all over now. Uh-huh. Uh, they just had one at Virginia Beach where the parents get together, balloon releases, and sharing your thoughts and, and key speakers and what have you. And um, I have a uh, another group. I don't know if I, I'll, I'll friend you on it. Uh, like you talked about, a lot of it's just you know discussing whatever, uh, not really going into the parents normal or what have you you know a lot of these groups right. don't do that uh-huh. i have i have a group called what signs what signs tells you your loved ones are still around i've got about maybe 400 members to it now and i actually have pictures posted that i've taken i don't know if you've ever experienced that with with your you know uh gifts and what have you but i have actual pictures of faces, not just orbs. <laughs> and 
And I also have a uh, foundation for uh, being that I've lost two children with cystic fibrosis to um, a wish foundation, trying to help other parents while their kids still well enough to, to go to Disney World or what have you or whatever they need. And oh, uh, right. so these are some of the things that I'm doing, you know, because Make-A-Wish, uh, they're wonderful. They granted both of my two of the wishes. But uh, the, the, there's so many out there now that um, – that it's kind of hard, that, and, and it's a lot of times waiting to late-stage cystic fibrosis, and they can't really enjoy it. So that's where my group differs, you know. But anyhow, right. the page of, I have the what signs tells you your loved one's still around. Like I said, I'll, I'll send you a, I don't know if you're on it or what have you. I have actual pictures of a, one of the things I do on my son's birthday. I, I have his party every year at a uh, friend of mine's restaurant. And... Um, we raise, uh, you know, toys. People bring in toys, and I play Mrs. Santa Claus and, and go see children with cystic fibrosis for Christmas because I know what the holidays were like for these sick kids, you know. And uh, my first event on my son's birthday, 10 months after he passed, pictures were being taken. And um, I got home, and I looked at the picture, and actually I'll send it to you. I think you'll be, being that you're into this, obviously, you'll be amazed what you see. And part of the picture... Over my head, there, it looks like smoke, and it's at a restaurant, but it was outside. My daughter's name was Meg, her real name Margaret, but we called her Meg because they called me Peg and I'm Margaret, was scribbled over my head in smoke. To the left, there are two faces that appear on a fence. One was my late husband's face. These pictures were not doctored. They were not photoshopped, nothing. I almost had a heart attack when I saw them. I didn't know it when, I, when they were taken, but you got to see this. You have to see a I lot of it. I love to see them. Well, I have one more for you that I think you're absolutely going to love. I'm not really into the paranormal groups, but one day I was drawn to, you know how things go in the intuitive world, you're drawn to things. I was drawn to this page, and there's this guy from Jersey who just got married, a non-believer, and says, I don't know, I just got on this group, I'm sitting here, my new wife took my picture, and there's a face appeared in the door. Well, guess whose face it was? It was my late son, Marcus. Oh. I looked at it. I said, no way. And even though I've had things appear, and I've seen my, my children. I've seen it. I've never seen them. What happened? They've actually appeared. Someday we'll talk, talk. I'll give you my whole spill. Actually, I have another book coming out called Racing Hondas in Heaven because my son was a race car driver. And it's full of stories about rally, uh, how my daughter, right before my son died, came to him three times. Uh, he wouldn't tell me about the first times, but the months and the day before he died, he she woke him up out of a sound sleep, and he was totally coherent. I have a lot of stories about you know things like I said, rally happened with my husband before he died. Amazing stories. Besides, my first book like yours is my, you know, kind of the outline of my life. The next one is a lot of details. Okay, a lot of details with pictures included. But anyhow, to get back to this guy in Jersey, I look at the picture. I said, "That's my son." He goes, "What do you mean? It's your son." I send him a picture of my son, and he looks at the picture in the drawer, and it looked like my son's, it is my son's face, looking healthy, because both my children died of lung disease, and my son needed a double lung liver transplant, my daughter needed double lungs, uh, that's how cystic fibrosis works, and uh, my son was sicker, he had the worst form of it, and total healthy looking face in the door, I posted a picture next to that one, he goes, oh my God, it is your son. So you're gonna actually you're gonna love that picture because I'll post the actual picture of my son that I have you know, and you'll see you can compare them. When his friends saw it, they almost all had heart attacks. 
like, oh my God, yeah, get be, the hell out I'd of here. I'd love to see that. Love to oh, see well, it. I'm going to send you my site. I'll send you my site. You may be on it because I don't know who I friend and who I haven't, but you're going to be amazed at some of the pictures on this site. Uh, it's, I'm amazed that, you know, everybody talks about the orbs. I have actual faces, and I swear as God is my judge. These were not Photoshopped. The only time that anything was done, somebody highlighted that one picture from my son's first event after the fundraising event so you could actually see the faces better. But there's no doubt my husband's face was there with another face next to his looked like a cartoon character that turned to have something with meaning after I was affected with Hurricane Sandy. But, you know, we'll talk some other time, obviously, you know, because I have – stories that that probably would blow your socks off <laughs> with pictures included and i swear i swear to you mark these are all real as god is my judge and it's just i can't believe it i just don't get it i've had and my next book tells about how my son came to a couple neighbors my son like i saw one of the things in your book with susie um how didn't your son's face appear to susie at one point she just saw the face, or was it you? Well, um, in dream, in a dream state visit, um, okay. with me, I had a vivid, uh, lucid dream. It was just like realer than waking reality. And he was, uh-huh. I saw him, and he and I mm-hmm. were together in a, in a room, and it was just a white room with like oh, with three white, white walls. walls. Yeah. Right, right. I remember that. And then, yeah, that's all. And he was like propped up on like what would be a counter, but it wasn't. It was just not like a real physical structure. It was interesting. So this fourth mm-hmm. wall was just empty, and it just looked like infinity out there. And we just had a short talk, but that's when right. I saw him, where it was just vividly real. Now Susie's right. deal with the one I mentioned earlier, where he was a shadow figure, and that was right. That was a waking state um, experience. Right. He had. Do you want to hear the, well, the like most a- recent? Sign that oh we've yeah, had. give it to me. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love okay, sharing so stories. I feel like we're happened. just friends talking now. The hell with the show. <laughs> Go ahead. This is just within the last month. Now my older son Stephen, he just got married in France, and mm-hmm. so um, there's two two different things that happen on back to back dates. Now, the, right. you know, I've never been one to get a lot of coins. Uh, people talk about getting coins all the time, and, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I just haven't been one to get them. I got one you know, a couple of years ago. At a, we were going out to dinner with some friends who their son, it was the anniversary date of his passing, and just before we left to go get them, I went to get my shoes, put my shoes on, and sitting in the heel where my heel would go in the shoe, oddly, was a brand-new shiny dime. I'm like, how mm-hmm. did that get there? And it, so I, yep. I told them, and it, was, it helped them. But now fast forward to about a month or five weeks ago or a little more. Um, my son's wedding date was May 10th, so it was actually May 9th. And we were in mm-hmm. Paris, and we were taking a, a train down to the Loire Valley where the wedding was going to be. And right. so um, when we got into our seat, Susie, my wife, she looked at where her feet were going to rest because they had these foot rests, and if they're down, you could trip over them. So she wanted to make sure they were up, and they were. There was nothing down there. So mm-hmm. she got up and went to the restroom. And when she came back, keep in mind, there was, there was no English-speaking people around us. We were pretty sure right. they were all French people. And we had mm-hmm. no English or no U.S. money on us. All we had were euros. And all I had were bills. Right. I had no coins of any kind. So she comes mm-hmm. back. She goes to sit down. And she sees something shiny at where her feet are. She goes and reaches down to get it. It's a brand-new 2014 newly-minted U.S. penny. 
like, where the really? heck did this come from? A U.S. penny on a French wow. train. No U.S. people around. We have no U.S. money on us. So that was right. the first. Now, here's the more outstanding of the two. The next day is the wedding. Now, mm-hmm. you have to go back five months earlier. We had a friend in from um, Wisconsin named Molly, who's a medium. She was staying with right. us, and she said, I'm going to give you guys a reading, you know, because you put me up. I said, okay, great. So she said, well, Brandon's really excited about this wedding, and he is going to be the best man. Now, your brother, his brother can have somebody stand in. He understands that, but he's the real best man. And right. she said, I think, I think Stephen's going to wear, like, a pin or a memento of some sort, and it, could, it may have a picture of Brandon in it, and this is to mm-hmm. honor his brother. And so fast forward to um, the wedding day. Oh, and she also said, and 2 p.m., remember 2 p.m. And so you Mm -hmm. go fast forward to the wedding day, May 10th, and so it's about 1.30, and one of the groomsmen comes to me, and he hands me a box. And he says, Mark, this box comes from Liz, who is a friend of the boys, but she couldn't make it out, and it's a gift that she wanted uh, you to have. So Mm -hmm. it's for the groomsmen. So I open it up, and inside are six little pins that are mementos, each with a portrait of Brandon in it, that go in your wow. pocket. And you can wow. put them in there so that they can be seen. So uh-huh. each of us put one of these in our pocket, and it was at 2 p.m. that my wife Susie learned of this and saw those. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I had, you know, actually, I, I saw that... Um, uh, clip today, and I uh, actually I think I put it on my site for people to see it. You know, because I I really get into my my guests. You know what I'm saying? That was yeah. amazing. Th- that was amazing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to discuss with you: you're friends with some psychics that we all know. I- I'm also friends on Facebook, but not personal with Alice DeBose from uh, the show uh, Ghost Whisperer. You know, Alison Dubois was fe- she was Dubois, the show I'm sorry, media. Sorry. Show Medium was about her. Ghost Whisperer was a James Von Prague production. Oh, I'm sorry. She, I'm sorry. It's okay. It, it was the show Medium with Patricia right. Arquette was about her life. And the right, early episodes were actually true stories, and then it got all Hollywood after that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Lovely, right? <laughs> but she's a gifted but, medium, I, and she was one of my first mm-hmm. readings um, in, that, in, in the first year after Brandon passed. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was August of that year, and... Um, there was a couple really interesting pieces to do with that, um, if you don't want to make sure. Right. One was... No, go ahead. Shortly after... Shortly after... Well, after Brandon passed, let's see, it was a number of months. It was August that I had the reading with her. Two weeks before I had the reading with her, there was a man that approached me, and he said, hey, I've got something to give you. And, I, and it was my dad's manuscript, and it's the one I later got published as Your Psychic Potential. Yes. I said, well, where did you get this? And he says, your dad gave it to me before he died for safekeeping. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it's been 12 years. Why are you giving this to me now? And he goes, I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to. And it Timing. was a complete manuscript with bibliography, everything. It was all typewritten because it was finished in 1973, but it had never been published. Wow. So it was two weeks later that I had the reading with Alison Dubois. And one of the first things right. she said was, she says, your father's showing me a book. And I believe it's his book, but he's handing it to you. It's for you to take forward. Does that make sense? I'm like, cool. yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> you <laughs> so think? I thought that was, pretty, that was pretty cool. Just two weeks after that had taken place, and no one else had any way of knowing that. Wow. 
Wow. When did he finish? Uh, you know, I got a, I don't know, uh, just a feeling. You said in 73. That was the year my daughter was born. Um, when did he finish the manuscripts? Were there, were, they, were there dates on that or what have you? That, that manuscript was finished in 73. No, I know, but what do you know? What month did did he like put at the end? Finished such and such no, date? No, it didn't say the I'd uh, be month. Interested. It just said okay. It just said 1973. Well, you know what? No, a, I can double check. That's, Maybe that's, it was April. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, my daughter was born in September, so I'm just I don't know why well, I got this feeling. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know how it goes, you know. Yeah. But you know, not that it, it was you know either here nor there. I just got this feeling September. I thought it just. I just thought it gave the year, but I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I saw the actual original. I'm actually going in to grab it right now, so I'll be able to tell you if it's here. Oh, I love this. I love it. I know you were only going to do an hour, but there's so many things we could talk about. <laughs> I love this. I love this. And, and can you give us, you know, uh, while you're doing that, the name of all the books are out, including the one with your father's manuscript, so the listeners know and can get these books. Sure. I am. I can't wait to get the next books. So that's it. I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> I couldn't put Soul Shift down. That was it. It was, it was, you know, like like my first book. Your outline and and the stories and and your definitions and your um. The people that you've met with, and even though having growing up in the home of Richard Ireland, and I know your parents had divorced when you were younger, but still he was your dad and you were with him. Um, just the things, your, 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 your explanation of how things are, that really, I've never read a book like that. I have to say that, Mark. Because it just everything just kind of some of the things that I've been doing and what have you, things started clicking after reading your book with me. You know. Well, thank you. I put a lot no, of work into really. it. And I wanted it to. I wanted it to be something people would take seriously and, uh, and understand oh, that a lot of thought and effort was put into it, and that mm-hmm. it could be, you know, educational too. So, yep. um, Actually, I just saw it was April of '73. So. Okay. Okay. My memory's not yeah, as bad. Yeah. So the book are your, your first book is Soul Shift, and then the one. Yeah. Um, that's the one I've read, and I, you know, my listeners, please get that book because even if you're not believers or skeptics, once you read that, I think you, it, it's going to turn your head a little bit. You know, even for my my people that are into just basic, you know, not I shouldn't say basic like it's bad religion. I think after reading this book, you'll also get more of the spiritual side. Also, it was just it it, it really got to me. I was like, wow, you know. Actually, I stayed up past the night. <laughs> And I said, until uh, my eyes were out, I said, I, I, first thing I got up, I finished reading it. I said, I have to read this book. <laughs> I have to finish it, yeah. you know, and, which well, is thank, thank you. you for that. It's, it's a wonderful, and I, I really mean it, because if it wasn't a great book, I'd say, well, that's his book. Let's move on. You know what I'm saying? I'm very honest that way. It was great. It was wonderful. So, so your dad came out in with, 2008, and then my uh-huh. dad's book was, is called Your Psychic Potential, A Guide to mm-hmm. Psychic Development. That came out in 2011. And then my newest book, which is called Messages from the Afterlife, A Bereaved Mm -hmm. Father's Journey in Spirit Visitations, Psychic Mediums, Mm -hmm. and Synchronicity, uh, that book, I just call it Messages from the Afterlife, the subtitle's long. But that's that a, just that's came okay. out. In, but you threw that, that word in that in I just, can't say, so that's okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It came in, that came out in December last year, so it's just been out for, you know, six months, basically. Uh-huh. Wow. And that's the one I, I described earlier. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that, that's unbelievable. Now, you've met with other mediums. Have you? Have you actually, I'm going to... Um, 
I'm actually, I've been asked to be a guest on, uh, I don't know if you know of Terry Van Horn in Texas, in Chapel Hill. She's got like almost a half a million people on her page. And she has a radio show called Healing Light. She's asked me to be her guest on July 10th, I think I'm going to be on her show. And then I also have on July 15th here on my show, Sonny Wells and uh, Chris Christine DeMunk, who actually met with you um, out in one of your um, your speaking engagements out in Arizona, I think it was. And she was so excited that you were going to be on the show. <laughs> she goes, oh, I met great. Mark, and he's a great guy. And, and they had their show called... Um, Oh gosh, let me get the actual name of it while you're you're going through your thing there. Um, Angel something here. I'm I'm bad sometimes with this. Um, but anyhow, they ha- they also have a radio show. And, I think that um, I was on that back right when my first book came out. I think that's been about six years ago. Oh really? Yeah, I think she's, her show's been around for a while. If it's the one I'm thinking of, ask the Angel Show. Yeah, I I think that's been a number of years, but um, yeah, I'll have to I'll check into it. Yeah, it's uh, Ask the Angel Show with uh, Sunny Wells and Kristen DeMonk, and uh, I think they're out in California. If I'm not I'm not quite sure, but they'll be on my show July 15th, both of them. Well, the person and, who's um, having you on your the person who's having you on her show that has half a million followers. Put in a plug yes. for me, please. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Well, I was surprised because, you know, it's funny because even though you and I have somewhat of a gift, I, I call mine somewhat of a gift. Actually, there's a uh, James Van Prague is coming to um, New York in October, and I want to develop. Uh, I mean, I, I do readings on the show. I shock myself. And oh, one of the funny things, I have to sidetrack one minute because I'm AD, OCD and ADD sometimes. But you had, um, there was a name in the book, um, uh, in your book, oh uh, gosh, and I bring up the name all the time and people are like, no, I don't know that person, whatever. Leroy, what was the Leroy connection with you? There's something with Leroy. The only Leroy in there is Leroy, Illinois, and that's a city that my mom that's and dad lived in when they were first that's married. That's what it was. That's, I just want to sidetrack for one second. That's why it sparked my interest, because I took notes on it. Remember how your father, you know, with the, the Melvin thing when he was a kid, and I did the things with my Aunt Dot, uh, where right. I said goodbye instead of goodnight? She was right. one of nine kids, and her, uh, some of her family, I lived, I was, grew up on, on four miles north of where I grew up. I grew up in the town. Jackie Gleason lived in my town, Alan Funt, Peter Strauss. So I grew up in Croton and Hudson, New York. So there was a lot uh-huh. of stars there, and there was a place called the Van Cortland Manor House where Pierre Van, or the Van Cortlands lived. And a lot of her family worked there at the Van Cortland Manor House. And that's what got me when I saw your father's early ministry was in Leroy, Illinois. My Aunt Dot's brother's name was Leroy, and then something about in, in Norfolk, Virginia, and she had a sister named Virginia. <laughs> so that kind of struck out at the same time that I was reading about Melvin and then that connection with your dad with Melvin and, and saying, you know, I won't see you again, you're going to die or whatever, and me telling my aunt goodbye, and all of a sudden these two names, Leroy and Virginia, stuck out, which were brother and sister to my aunt that I said that to. I don't know if it means anything, Mark. You know, maybe I'm going way off base here, but I, that really struck me. But Leroy, that name Leroy, comes up on a lot of my shows. And one of the women I was reading one time, her daughter called in. She had lost her son under mysterious circumstance in a car accident, but she thinks there's more to it. I'm trying to help her. I also counsel other grieving parents privately, you know. Um, 
But she had her daughter call in one night, and she, I was thinking of this name, Leroy, all day because things come to me, and it's usually before the show. And I'm going, Leroy, did he have a friend named Leroy? She goes, no, but his best friend had a dog named Leroy. I'm like, oh, my God, is, is that a better validation? <laughs> Who calls her dog Leroy? But that name kept popping up, Leroy. And when I saw this, and I just, I don't know, I just had a weird feeling about it. So, you know, and you said your dad grew up in Leroy, right, Illinois? No, he didn't grow up there. He just served there as a minister for a brief period of time after my parents were right. first married. Like wow. 1956, wow. 57, I think, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that just stuck out, you know, because it was at the time I was reading about Melvin. And uh, and then thinking, oh, my gosh, that's the same thing I did to my aunt. You know, and it's like, and that guilt following me all these years, like, and she's telling me, don't ever say goodbye. And I did. <laughs> I'm like, and next week she was gone, you know. So yeah. I, I, that freaked me out a little bit. I don't know, you know, the the similarities here and what have you. Um, okay, there was something else I wanted. Um, the thing about you wrote in the book about Plato, okay, the body is the prison of the soul. That, that really hit home with me, too. It kind of is. We're kind of like trapped in this body. I mean, it's our tool and what have you. What's your feeling about that? Well, that's one way of viewing it, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, ancient Greek thought, which is, you know, dualism, right. having a soul and a body that aren't the same thing. But, you know, I suppose it could be a prison if viewed a certain way because it is restrictive, but at the same time it's really a gift, too. And I think it's a mm-hmm. gift of our choosing to to embody, and it's purposeful so that we can come here and experience things that grow us. Mm-hmm. And so exactly. if you view it in one way, and I'm a Plato fan, but, you know, when I view that, I, I don't necessarily agree that it's a prison. It could be construed as one or feel like one in some ways because without a body, if the soul is free, um, you know, it's, it's There's it's no not, limitations. No limitations, right. But at the mm-hmm. same time, if we were the ones that chose, if, if it's a choice to be here and it's part of a purpose and plan to grow us, right into being more than we are today, then that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Well, the ultimate is love. Like I always tell everybody, are to learn, I, I write a lot of poetry, too. I have a poetry book coming out. Actually, I wrote a poem around Christmas called, I couldn't believe thousands of people. I just wrote it, you know, a lot of times I'll write because I'll talk to another grieving parent, and I just, sometimes I get up in the middle of the night and I just start writing poetry, you know. But it was called um, uh, Empty Chairs at the Table, about, you know, a parent's feeling at the holidays while everybody else and sitting there with their families. We have the memories, but the chairs are empty at the table. I, I couldn't believe the responses I got to that, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy how some things come about, but um, there was something else in your book that um, something uh, was it your wife that got the hug around the neck, or, or one of the mediums had told yes. you about? Okay, I, that happened to me too. With um, I was very sick uh, right before Hurricane Sandy. I was to the first time in my life with the MS. I couldn't walk for some of my life. Okay, after all these years, and I was sitting on my couch and. I my neck was bothering me. It was killing me. And I'm like, what the heck's the matter with me? I don't know what it is. I've been to the doctor. I knew everything else going on, but I can't understand what's going on with my neck. Well, my the medium I see, Deborah Hamlin, um, I, I said to her, I, you know, I, I had a session with her, and she brought up your daughter, and she was telling me exactly my daughter was describing 
me sitting on the couch with a no, no, it's not a shawl, a blanket, and I had the blanket wrapped around me, and that she was hugging me really tightly around my neck. I said, well, then would you please tell her to knock it off because I cannot move my neck after that. After the medium came through with that, my neck stopped hurting. I know it sounds unbelievable, but I swear it really happened. You know, I have all my sessions are recorded, and uh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You know, but I that caught my eye with your wife too. Did was it Brandon that one of the mediums brought through and said that he was doing hugging her around the neck, or what was the story? I'm pretty with that? sure that was. I think that was Allison Dubois that came through with that. That said really? that she'll feel that he he hugs her and that she'll feel it around her her neck. And then mm-hmm. when I brought it up later, she said that she had experienced that feeling. Oh, she didn't get the pain in the neck like me then, right? <laughs> I, I guess Brandon and squeezers hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my daughter was very tiny. I was surprised that she could have this grip now, you know. <laughs> and another one of the stories in the book was about the stereo. That was one of my um, my first things the night of my daughter's death after everybody left. I, that's when I started... The, the, the day she died, uh, started having the crazy experiences. And everyone was in bed, and I was on the phone with my brother, who's now a minister, and, I, and he had a way of comfort me. And I said, he goes, well, what can I do? And I said to him, I said, I just want a sign. Just as I said that everybody was sleeping, the stereo went on, the CD player started going in and out, the lights were flashing. I'm screaming, woke up everybody in the house. I asked for this side, be careful what you, you wish for, right? And I, you had, didn't you have similarities with, the, with something with a stereo or something happened with a stereo? Or? It's been a while since I wrote it, but my recollection mm-hmm. is that um, it, was, it was early after Brandon's passing, not very much time had passed, and that um, mm-hmm. Stephen, our other son, actually when he came home, because he had been living mm-hmm. in an apartment for a little while, and after Brandon passed, right. we asked him to come home, and he did. So he actually moved into Brandon's room. I think it made mm-hmm. him feel better, and and we uh, liked that too. And so he right. um, one one night he he had kind of an out of body experience where he floated above. He was asleep, and then mm-hmm. he saw the number uh, in his he saw the number twelve zero zero flashing on the clock um, mm-hmm. in his altered state. Okay. And then right. he um, he went into the family room where Brandon used to play bass guitar, and he turned a corner, and there's Brandon playing bass guitar. And he said that he hugged wow. him. Wow. And it felt so real, like he could actually feel the fabric on his shirt. And then, wow. um, now I'm not sure if this is the same night. I'd have to go back and read my notes because it's been so yeah, long. Yeah, I think it is because I, I just read the book. I think I, I, it sounds, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Because this is 10 years ago that this happened now, but... Uh, then, mm-hmm. the middle of the night, the stereo just came on for no reason. I mean, it wasn't like a power outage and it went back on. It just it just came on by itself. Yep. And it was blasting yep. one of Brandon's favorite bands. And if it was, was the it same night Floyd or something? No, I think this was another band. Um, it might have been Iron Maiden. I can't remember. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I, I um, saw that you guys were into that. Yep. But uh, he... So Stephen then, um, at this point, you know, we all woke up from that blaring, mm-hmm. and we figured, okay, we know what that's about. And, and Stephen mm-hmm. had reported then he woke up. Now, this was a different night, I'm sorry, because the night that he had that experience where he saw Brandon and he saw the flashing 1200, later on, then he was woken up, and, it was, and he opened his eyes and saw the, the, the 
the uh, clock flashing 12.00. So wow. those are two separate experiences. So, but the one night, yes, it just, uh, just for no, for no explainable reason. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's what happened to me. This was, um, my daughter was pronounced dead, it was 4 o'clock, May 12th, being at 12 on May 12th, Mother's Day that year, 2002. Uh, we had all gone back. My husband and I were separated after many years, and uh, we went back to his place. And there was a lot of, well, the first thing that happened, a bunch of the friends came back. This is all my book. I have, well, you know, like, part of my book is our outline, growing up in the town with all the stars that live there, blah, 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 my life and how my kids were diagnosed and what have you. And then it gets into what the book's about, uh, uh, rainbows, butterflies, and one last hug, which are all signs that were sent me. So half of it is about the signs, you know. But it was hours, you know, within hours that I had the second sign, which was the radio for no reason, doing this, you know. And the next day right. is the butterfly. And I actually got a hug from some little girl that I didn't know on the morning of a uh, friend picked me up. It's in the book. Um, one of my other friends called that morning and says, if there's anything that you want, what would you want? I said, one last hug. Well, if you read my book, you'll understand. This little kid in the middle of Wendy's went into like a trance, started hugging me and crying, and then said, why am I hugging you? And why am I crying? Uh. It really happened. And I have, with everyone, everything that's happened to me, 99% of the time, there's been somebody else with me. They come through the radio. They come through, you know, because energy is energy. And it's easier for them to come through the signs, like I tell people, through radio and what have you. Um, my next book is loaded with, not trying to plug it, but yeah, in a way, but loaded with signs where that book was supposed to be done this year, but there's so many more things that happen, I keep adding to it. But I actually had a friend of my son's at my last event, November 30th, which was would have been my son's 25th birthday. A week later, this kid was in a car accident. I didn't really know him because there's hundreds of kids there with his car buddies. Went to a coma, and it was the day, the weekend, um, you know, the Passion of Friends of America. We do the candle lighting, yearly candle lighting for our children on December 8th, mm-hmm. I think it was this year. Well, right. the day before, my TV was going on and off. My touch light was flashing on and off, so I figured, well, it was just my son's birthday. Uh, he's probably trying to connect with me, and my cat's acting where A lot of things were happening. And it turned out eventually, uh, it's, I guess it's going to be the next book, where um, I got in contact. The kid ended up dying January 2nd. I got, ended up getting in contact with his girlfriend and his mother, and I read them. A strange way how I got in contact with them, but this kid did not leave me alone until I got in contact with these two. And it wasn't my kids. They might have been helping them. But a lot of strange things were happening. <laughs> and the strangest thing is when I had just started the show in January, it was the second time the, little, the, the boy's not little. He was in his 20s. last name was Gleason. Um, the name came up once through a friend of mine's sister said that that ghost picture I put on at my son's other event, that the other guy looked like Jackie Gleason. I said, no, he doesn't. You know, the ghost picture? And I'm like, where the heck is she getting this Jackie Gleason out of this, right? And then my radio show I started, and the girl that got me in contact with the mother and the, the girlfriend of the kid that passed that I didn't even know was in a coma, that was starting to come to me from the time he was in the coma till I got in contact and after his death with his mother and girlfriend, um, her, her first name was Mandy Lynn. So my first show, I'm doing the show, and we have the producer and the you know helpers, and I'm like, my Skype's not working, this isn't working. What happens to be the name of the girl that, that's helping me through the show? Mandy Lynn Gleason. 
the same first name as the girl that got me in contact with the kids, mother and girlfriend, and the same last name. The second time the name Gleason came up. You can't make this stuff up. It's unreal, unreal. And right after I got in contact with the girlfriend and the mother, all of a sudden everything calmed down. The TV stayed on. The touch lamp wasn't doing anything anymore. My cat wasn't freaking out. It was, it's amazing how they come through. It's not just my kids. It's other people coming through. And uh, can you share? I mean, we don't have a lot of time left, but uh, and we're going to name all the books again in your site and what have you. Can you share maybe one of your most, um, I'm not going to say craziest, most um, ironic experiences of someone coming to you or, or, or have you had other people coming to you besides your son or what have you, you know? You mean in terms of people who have passed? Yeah. Or do you mean yeah. uh, like... Premonitions um, or what have you? Whatever no, you like A lot of different things. I, I, I guess what I'll share is what was my favorite experience involving any reading that I've had, and it's in my new book, but it's with a mm-hmm. medium out of Tucson, Arizona, named Tina Powers, who's since become a good friend. But in this particular mm-hmm. reading, I went to see her. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. And it was actually a reading for someone else who had just asked me to go along. And mm-hmm. uh, so when I got there, Tina actually seemed surprised because she thought she was reading for this other person. But right. just a minute or two into the reading, she turned her attention to me and, and said, I'm, I'm sorry, but he's got a lot of people here who want to talk to him. And mm-hmm. at one point, she got to Brandon, and she started um, speaking actually just like it was Brandon. It was almost like I was talking to Brandon directly because oh, the yeah. style, intonation of speech, and that was really cool. Um, yep. Just to hear that was just outstanding. It was one of the most touching things that, that's happened to me since he passed. Because wow. it's great to get the messages. It's great to get the specific information, all of which she provided. But to see the mannerisms, right? She, the medium took on yeah. his mannerisms, or yeah, that yeah, happened a actually, week after. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. To have to hear her speak like that, you know, something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, similar to what you had described with little kids, it's interesting how I think they're plugged in, you know, very open. But um, oh yeah, I think it was just a matter of. You know, a, a couple of months after Brandon passed, I was at a company meeting, and one of my right. peers, this woman who lives in Sacramento, she brought her little boy who was about three years old. And so mm-hmm. um, she's, she, you know, he's sitting there and he's doing his own thing, and I said something to her about Brandon. And when I said the word Brandon, that little boy looked at me and he smiled huge and he said, Brandon. And and uh, the mom really? looked at me like, that is unusual. She says he hardly ever talks. He, he had no vo- very little vocabulary. And mm-hmm. he's a very, very quiet kid. And the way that his expression came, it was just like he knew Brandon or, you know, it was like yep. Brandon was there. It was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, well, that happened with me. Actually, that page I'm going to send you about my signs page has a story because two years in a row at Easter, I like I said, I live on the Hudson River in, in Westchester County. I mean, we have a beach home. We have our own beach, a dock, the whole nine, okay? And <clears throat> two years in a row around Easter, 
I'm feeling bad, you know, and thinking of the meaning of it and what have you. Two years in a row, I've had Matt experiences. One kid named Matt was a friend of my son's. The other kid I didn't know out of the blue. It's on that page, that story with pictures of signs that were sent of what the story was. So I think you'll enjoy that story. I'm not going to go into it on the show. We don't have much time. But I think you'll find that quite interesting, along with the pictures of my book, the actual picture that came in at the same time, and like I said, most people call coincidence. There, there isn't. There isn't. Read that story, Mark. It's a short story on that page. You'll love it. I'm sure you'll love it because it's like it's just unreal. But this little boy, Matt, I swear, the first one on that first Easter before uh, I met up with the second Easter that weekend the following year with another kid named Matt, um, the both kids' names were Matt. It was both around the same time of year. This first boy, I swear, I, whether angels come to visit or whatever, I'm not sure of what was going on, but this little six-year-old was wandering a dock that nobody would let their kid wander, okay? And strange things happen, but actually I'll send you, send you that story tonight. I think you'll be amazed with that one. That, I have okay. to say, out of, of most of my stories... Uh, my real, real true tales, I mean, whatever you want to call it, that one, I, I thought I was going to have a cardiac arrest with that one. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, I mean, is this live or Memorex? Is this really happening? You know? And then the kid, like, disappeared with his uncle. It was very strange, very strange story. But I'll send you that tonight. You know, to, I'll send it in private message and let you read that. That's, okay. that. That was unreal. Okay? I do have but a anyhow, chapter. you know, we have a bit. I'm sorry? I was just going to say I have a chapter on synchronicity in the new book, Messages from the Afterlife, and there's a story in there that's too long to share here, but involves uh-huh. basically, I would say it involves one in 310 million against chance odds, odds against really? chance. It's crazy of how I four different people, were, four people were brought together through uh-huh. with me involved that uh, I would say a healing process took place in the end. But it was—it's just wow. bizarre. It's uh, three, three other women and me. But wow. anyhow, again, let's name all the books again. Uh, your site again. Um, so my some site. Of the, uh, you have, okay, go ahead. Site is markirelandauthor.com. That's Mark mm-hmm. with a K. Ireland like the country. So markirelandauthor.com. My books. Okay. First one is Soul Shift: Finding Where the Dead Go. And the second one is uh, the book that my dad wrote that I got published in 2011 called Your Psychic Potential. And it's basically mm-hmm. um, it's a development guide for people that want to learn how to develop their psychic abilities. And then my new book is called... James Probs. <laughs> I can read that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to go to James' thing coming up in October to try to develop more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like your, that book may do the same thing. So I'm going to read that before I, I commit myself to that one. <laughs> See if you save yourself the money, huh? Oh, yeah. It's only 650 bucks. <laughs> Ouch. And, uh, yeah, well, well, I know. I, I know. If I'm going to spend that much, I'd go to the Arthur Finley College in England. Uh, they've been really? doing this a long time. Yeah, that's the place to go for yeah, that. You know, actually, there's a there's a place in New York everybody keeps telling me to go, and it's not Esalon? that close. Um, what is it? Esalon? Nope. It's a... I can't remember the name of... of uh, but it's where... Um, it's pretty well known by everyone. Lilydale? Lynn is... Lily Adele, yes, yes. Lily Everybody Dale. keeps telling me I need to go there. That is, yeah, that would the, be the place for me to go. That's where the spiritualist church headquarters are. There, so. Oh really? Yeah, that's where um, they they're based. The NA, NSAC. So oh, okay. Anyhow, back to the books. The third book is Messages from the Afterlife. 
Um, all three uh-huh. books, if you go to my website, you can read a synopsis. There's links to where to get them on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And some Barnes mm-hmm. & Noble stores have them, and some independent bookstores have them, too. And also on the site, you've got a link to my da- videos of my dad, also to my dad's site where you can read more about him. I've got mm-hmm. my events listed on there. I've got media. So if you want to see the clip of me on the Discovery Channel experiment at the University of Arizona, that's on there. I've got yes, I other like interviews. Yeah. and So there's a lot of different stuff on there if you just want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I found your <clears throat> um, a two-part segment of when your dad was on Steve Allen. He was very comical too. I got a kick out of him. He was funny when he did it, you know. And it wasn't like you were like, oh my gosh, I could just tell. That's why it drew me to him because I'm I'm offbeat. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm the character. I was a class clown the whole nine, and mis- I call myself misunderstood. I may do a book about that. <laughs> but, uh, um, I like. I, I was just drawn to him, like I said, and this is like just phenomenal for me to to speak with you, his son, you know, and the, and the work that you're doing, and that you've also. I'm sorry that you've also had to experience, you know, the the, the loss and transition of, of Brandon, but like with my Megan Mark, it's brought me, you know, to a higher plane spiritually to help others, and it's all about our undying love for the kids, and 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 to show that you can go on, that we have to complete our work here, you know, we're all here at school. Right. I tell everybody we're in school. We have to finish our job, and then we move on, you know? And, uh, you know, this is only the um, <clears throat> the tip of the iceberg, as I call it, you know? So, and Mark, I, I you know what? You're, you're welcome to come, come on any time, discuss the books more. I'm sorry I talk so much, but that's me. <laughs> and but I enjoyed this tremendously. And uh, like I said, your book is, is the bomb, absolute bomb, and I can't wait to well, read your other so books, much. you know? Really so Mark, appreciate like it. I said, Thanks for having me. Any, you know, invitation anytime. And uh, if, if you have more books coming up, please let me know or, you know, Facebook me or what have you and message me. And I will send you that. Actually, I'm going to send you that story tonight. Uh, and I'll send you that page, if, you know, uh, that I have. And you might find that of some interest with the pictures on it and see what you say, you know. So it's uh, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, you know. I actually have a couple calls or questions. I have about four minutes. Do we bring them on, or do you, are you rushed for time? No, I'm happy to. If anyone has a quick question, I'll answer it before we get cut off. So let's okay, do it we now. have a couple calls here. Let's bring somebody on. Um, last four digits, four seven hundred. Hello, caller. What is your name and where are you from, please? Kathy. Fox. Hello. Hello. Kathy. Fox. Hi, Kathy. Uh, where are you from? Illinois. Kathy, do you have a question for Mark? Yes. I would like to know if my daughter is at peace. Okay. I, my dad was the psychic medium in the family. Um, I do get impressions from time to time, but I don't really do readings. Um, if I feel anything, I'll share it with you. Um, you know, my, my sense is that virtually everyone who passes is at peace no matter how they passed because the things that they experience here on the earth um, don't affect them. It's not not um, part of their existence after they leave here. And whether people have issues with, you know, addiction or any kinds of other problems or depression, those are physical attributes tied to their body. So, you know, I would just say that I, I believe your daughter's at peace. Okay. Man, it's funny that, that you okay, brought up addiction. Addiction was a problem, yes. 
Um, wow. Or maybe that was. Yeah. So nice sometimes, day. you know, um, I just have to trust, you know, what I feel, and that's hard for me because I'm kind of an analytical person. But um, I would say, you know, the things that hold us back in this earth aren't aren't part of who we are at our core, and aren't part of what we are going forward. So I would just say, don't worry about that, and know that she's at peace. I, I feel that that's the case, okay? Thank you so much. Sure. Okay, Kathy, thank you for calling. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, we have about two minutes left. I don't have time for other callers. I appreciate you calling in and listening to the show. And, of course, you can go to my archives. All the shows are archived. And uh, we, I'll put on um, – uh, actually, I, I think I posted Mark's books on the site. I'll post them again. And uh, again, it was Mark Ireland, uh, son of Richard Ireland. And um, you can go to Mark's page. Uh, you can go if you're a grieving parent. You can go to again healing. Um, healing. I'm sorry. The uh, helping uh, helping parents heal site, right? If they want to run. Um, yeah, I have a link. Just talk I have a link on my page. Uh, okay. There's a link on my okay, page cool. to that too. So, so take okay. care. Thank you. Mark, thank you. Okay, thank you, Mark, and thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in tonight. And, Mark, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Have a great evening. Bye-bye. I'd like to say good night all to everyone. And, um, again, thank you for tuning into my show, Signs from our loved ones um and we'll be back next week um i may be take i may be taking a week off and on the 15th i will be having um uh christine demonk and sunny wells on and on july 10th uh tune into healing light lady at radio which is a hay house sponsored show in chapel hill texas i will be a guest thank you all for calling tonight have a good night thank you Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.